All right. So we got our microphone, guys. And like I said, I got tons of additional places we can go with this. Um, but first off, any missing blanks? Two, D, one. Judgments. Evil judgments. What else? Any other? Okay. Yep, C- Carol. Hey, I, um, I missed uh, 2B and, and then right under it, 2B1. By defrauding their workers, their laborers withheld wages are crying out against them. Crying out against them. Okay. Okay. So, any questions? Matthew. So this is kind of like a practical question. Um, I missed the first part of the sermon, so I don't know if you addressed it prior. I was like, I got it in like 15 minutes late, so that's okay. my B. Um, what are some practical things uh, for examining our heart? Because like as, you know, most of us are parents in yeah. here, there's a very real desire to want to store up stuff to provide for our kids in the future, sure. secure their well-being now. What are some ways to like watch our hearts because it's very, very easy, I feel like, to slip into the attitude of, I need to store this up. I know I've personally done it. Sure. No, that's, that's, a, that's, a, no, that's, that's a good question. Like, I was even talking to Pastor Daniel. He had us over every year, uh, sort of our Christmas present from Daniel Moore's. He'll have my mother and my family over, and we'll have a brunch, and it's sumptuous. I mean, you could pick, I, I, so when I think, I sort of think of an imaginary, like, interlocutor arguing the other side. Oh, you had a nice self-indulgent meal there. And you're balancing First Timothy, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. There, there's no virtue to eating gruel and Spartan living in and of itself. And these warnings, right? Now, how, do you, how do you know? I think in some sense you don't know until the Lord tests you. I mean, you find out if something's an idol, we've put too much value in it when it's threatened or when it's taken from you. So I think the first thing would be to offer these things up. I mean, one of the things I've done regularly, I remember shortly after Abner was born, was being well aware that I could turn my son into an idol. Lord, he's yours. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be tested like Abraham was. I'd rather n- not need to have that test because that issue is settled, you know? Um, because God tends to smash idols, he tends to, to smash our idols. It's a loving thing to do, but it's difficult. So I don't find out how much of an idol my own comfort is till I lose my comfort, and I feel bad, and my back hurts. And if then I'm barking at people, and I'm a wretched, sinful jerk, guess I really value feeling good, <laughs> you know? Um, my comfort, my pleasure, good food, things like that. What happens when you don't get it? Are you upset and grumbling? That'd be one of the things. The other would be, how are you living your life? These people are ordering their life purely around the pursuit of their pleasure. Um, and so rest is an appropriate thing in life. If all you're doing is resting, you're a sluggard, right? So, so all, C.S. Lewis has a great line. I forget where he, screw tape. Satan can't create any pleasures. All he can do is pervert them. Um, he, all he can do is pervert them. He can take, the, take any, any of the pleasures that sin offers. It's always in the wrong way or at the wrong time. There's no pleasure in and of itself that, that, is, that is, he can create, right? Um, and so part of examining is, okay, am I doing the things I should be doing? Well, one of the ways I can evaluate if I'm resting too much is where am I working? Where am I serving? Where am I learning? Where am I encouraging? Where am I being encouraged? And if all of that's in play, I think you're in much safer ground than, no, when I'm not at work, I'm playing my Xbox. That, you know, that's probably a bad, bad ratio. But there is no, like, law. There is, my heart's prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. God, test me and try me and show me. And just being aware of the possibility that without even knowing it, that there's an expression Serena and I use to speak of a desire when it shifts from I want something to I kind of need to have that thing. We, we, we speak of the tent pegs going in. 
the camp setting up. This, what was an idea, is now it's set up tent pegs. And, you know, um, and that can be subtle. You, you may not notice when that happens until it's tested, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I was totally ready to fight you over that. <laughs> I guess the tent pegs went in, you know. Um, that's, that's my short answer. There is no obvious way to just, oh, I guess I'm loving stuff, except continuing to recognize the potential for that and offering it to the Lord and asking him to, to reveal that to you and keeping your eyes open. Or maybe talking to people who know you. That, that might be another way, but... No, we didn't cover that at the beginning, so that's a good question. Thank you. Other, yeah, oh, Don Loops. Or we got somebody before Don Loops. Sorry. Okay. Dean. Well, just another, I guess, a practical, helpful tip would just every time you're blessed, whether it be a raise, a bonus, the market jumps, whatever, mm-hmm. that you remind yourself that you're being blessed by God and know yeah from whom your blessings flow. Mm. Yeah, thankfulness is a, good, is a good guard. Yes, thankfulness is a very good guard. What? And to whom they belong. And to whom they belong, yes. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, other questions? Jay Copper. I'm excited. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Kind of on the same order, uh, we talked briefly about uh, their victims do not resist them. Yeah. Uh, ways that we can, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't uh, have proper ways of resisting yeah. temptation, uh, or I mean, uh, resisting those who are oppressing us. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, but there's a, sometimes there's a temptation to take it into our own hands, uh, and we're in that case, then we're just doing the same thing. We're, um, whether we're richer or whether we're poor, covetousness is an equal opportunity temptation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so there, there may be the temptation. Well, my my uh, employer isn't giving me what I think I'm worth. Therefore, I'll, I'll either embezzle or petty theft, or maybe I'll just kind of goof off half the day here and and you know not give him what you know. I'll just give him what I think he's given me. Right. Rather, so I'll teach him. I'll. Check Facebook 400 times today. You know, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. That's one of the things I actually wanted to talk about, the not resisting him. Um, it is not right to say there's no recourse if you believe you're being, if your boss is not paying you. Just make it like what he's saying here. You said you'd pay me. I did the work. You didn't pay me. Um, we know Paul appeals to Caesar. He takes use of his Roman citizenship. We're told of a widow who persistently asks a judge to give her justice. So I think there are righteous avenues of appeal. It's not saying you've been wronged, don't do anything about it. I think the key issue is you're not fighting back in kind, as you're saying, on their terms. Um, you, you, uh, you're going to rip me off? Well, I'll, I will take home the shovel. I'll show you. That type of resistance um, we should not be doing. And th- this is this is back to Jesus. Don't resist an evil man. If someone wants your coat, give him your tunic. Also, you know, there's a sense in which we should be willing to be wronged and not. And this is tough because for Americans, it's like you mess with the bully, you get the horns. That is hardwired into us. Um, and so tempering that with like, of course, I'm being mistreated. I'm an alien and sojourner in this world. You know. Um, I live among godless people. What would you expect? It should be tempered in there to some degree, even as we're not just gluttons for punishment. Appeal to Caesar, seek, seek a righteous judge. You know, I'd like some adjudication here. I think this is wrong. That's all fitting and proper, too. But it gets back to the, I'll show you. You're not gonna, I mean, this is tough for me because you said, you're not going to let you get away with that. Who do, you th- who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? You know, um, which starts to reveal where that's coming from in the heart, right? Um, so, okay. And, and yes, Steve. On the same lines, I'm bothered a little bit on both sides by uh, the religious right. Uh, Me too. Religious zealots. Um, our times. campaign against abortion. I can understand on a personal level, but I can't go throwing blood on legislators. I wouldn't throw you blood on legislators. 
Yeah. Well, and it gets back to it gets back to how we ought to resist our authorities when it's time to resist. Um, and I, I think there can be a tendency in our minds to think once it's time to resist, then all of God's other instructions about honoring, being courteous. Be, I mean, let's just go to Titus three real fast. Um, certainly, there are times we have to say, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not going to worship your statue. Um, certainly, there are times we need to do that. But Titus 3, 1 and 2. Is very on social media. In some respects, on American. We'll see if you agree or what you think. Um, let me get there. Eh. Physician, find thy Bible. Um, here we go. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. So even when it's time to disobey, when it's time to say no, we do it trying to still keep as much of that as we possibly can. You don't see a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego start mouthing off. It's It's Daniel, O King, live forever. So I think the posture would be, if my, if my son believed I was doing something wrong, how ought he come and talk to me? You'd think he should come. Dad, I hate doing this, but I think what you're doing is wrong. Um, and the way he's going to call me through repentance is going to be different than the way a peer is going to call me through repentance um, or someone over me is going to call me through repentance. And so just because it's time and it's appropriate for us to say to Caesar that the murder of the innocent is wrong. Please stop. Please, please stop killing the innocent. Um, doesn't suddenly now give us license to be self-righteous jerks. Um, lament is what we ought to be doing. I mean, when, what happens when uh, Herod kills all the children, three and under? It's, it's the fulfillment of Jeremiah, Rachel weeping for her children. I mean, Lament, brokenness, weeping, sorrow, totally appropriate. Americans don't like to do that as much. We get mad. And that I'm far more suspicious of. Um, be broken in sackcloth and ashes over the, the slaughter of the unborn. That seems wholly appropriate um, and biblical. Be suspicious when you're like, I'm going to show them. And then we start going and throwing, like you said, red paint. That just seems like the most dishonoring um, unbiblical thing I could think of. I mean, Daniel, the book of Daniel is, is striking because it's got multiple examples of people standing up to the most powerful man in the world at the time, and they do nothing but speak respectfully to him. Right? So, I, yeah, anyway. I'm probably ruffled some feathers, so who's, who wants to push back? Or, oh, Zach. Uh-oh, here it comes. We're going to get it now. <laughs> Yep, you know me. I like to push back. Forcefully. That's right. Push back, Zach. <laughs> I see Zach. I think controversy. <laughs> um, from your sermon last week, oh. um, where I'm going to try and pull up the verse here so I can quote it, but where it talks about like being zealous when your yeah. word falls yeah. down or something like that. Yes. Um, oh man, gonna have I'm to consumed with indignation, <laughs> or is that the I'm consumed with zeal? Yeah, consumed with zeal for my enemies. Forget your word. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So how does that play in with like you know anger <laughs> yeah. at say a legislator who is you know ardently you know abortion anytime sure. whatever yeah. don't care about God and His word. They're not really people. Um, and that's why I said a moment ago, be suspicious of it. Not that it's wrong. If you're, if you're seeing evil and you're broken and lamenting, I wouldn't, you don't need to be too suspicious of that. Um, unless it's leading you to like inactivity and I can't get out of bed for five days because I'm so sorrowful about the state of America. Like that, I suppose at some point it could start being. But 
the anger is going to turn into what you do with it. It's Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. So when Martin Luther said, I can't do anything until I'm good and angry, he's talking about sermon prep writing. <laughs> he, um, I keep that book that I had last week in my office. I read it, and I'm like, it just reminds me, like, there are evil people out there, and the devil's not taking the day off. I need to get back to work. And so if the anger drives you to faithfulness, obedience, if your anger at the abortion industry is what gets you up in the morning to go out and do your, your, um, your hold sign, whatever, whatever it is you're doing to try to do it, then that's, that's a good use of that zeal, right? So the, the word zeal in uh, Hebrew and Greek, it's, it's a neutral term. Um, we get the word jealous from but God's jealous. So it's, it's a strong passion, right? So anger doesn't have to be bad. Jesus, in anger, clears out the temple. But he, it's zeal for the Lord in his house. The question is, is it anger, my own, the anger of man, that James says does not accomplish the righteousness of God, or is it the, the righteous biblical anger? We need to be suspicious, because I think far less often than we think is it righteous anger. But the real test is, what did the anger cause you to do? Well, it caused me to curse these people and disobey Titus 3.2. Oh, well then, yeah, that's not righteous anger. The fruit, you know the tree by its fruit. So was it righteous anger? It caused me to dishonor, mock, ridicule, and speak evil of all sorts of people. That's, that's not righteous anger. Um, so... If, if you are feeling that zeal, which I think we ought to, and at times it's, it's appropriate, what it produces in us, the zeal, what fruit it bears is going to be the key of whether it's righteous or unrighteous anger. Um, if it, yeah, thanks. If, if it creates an outburst of wrath, it's, it's from the earth, from the demons, right? This is not the wisdom from above, but the wisdom from below. Um, okay. Oh. Um, so when Jesus flipped the tables, is that when he said, you brood of vipers? Or is that a different time? Maybe I'm mixing it up. But, well, he cleansed the temple um, twice. He cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry, and he cleansed the temple at the end of his ministry. Um, I think the brood of vipers is the fairest. We'd have to go a different look time. at it. Okay. We, have, we, well, we can. But. Yeah, I was just thinking um, maybe it's different for Jesus because he was authority over well, all no, men. But I'm just kind of wondering, like, with the cursing right. people or where... Right. Where that falls in, you know. Well, no, no, it is tough because when you ask what would Jesus do, there are certain things that Jesus has a prerogative to that no one else does, right? Um, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, Jesus can claim to be Lord of the Sabbath. You ought not to claim I'm Lord of the Sabbath. You know, Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of the Sabbath. Um, so. Jesus' prerogative in his role, cleansing the temple, the Messiah, setting all things right, calling the hearts of the people back to the, the children, back to the fathers. Um, I, was, I was talking to Jake this week. You know what's interesting? The glory departs from the temple before Nebuchadnezzar sacks it. If you, if you, starting in, I think, Ezekiel 12 or 8. I'll send you the text if you want. By stages, the glory leaves. And it's meant to, among other things, to communicate to the Israelites that when Nebuchadnezzar takes over Jerusalem, he hasn't defeated Yahweh, the God of Israelites. He's already left the, Elvis has left the house, building. You know, like God's already left. It's, 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 it's an empty building. Um, Jesus, on Palm Sunday, takes the exact route of the departure of the glory in reverse, goes to the temple and cleanses it, which is striking. So yeah, there's, there's aspects of Jesus' um, ministry and mission that are unique to him and it is this is a theocratic people they claim this is god's house so when god's messiah shows up he can kick tables around it's his house not my house right so yeah that just because jesus functioning in a theocracy where people claim to to hold to the scriptures and hold to the god of the bible as the Lord and the God of the Scriptures' Son and His sent one, He can do things you and I can't. He, he has privileges you and I don't. So it's not just as simple as saying, well, Jesus did. Because what I get, the, the, the pushback I get on speaking evil of no one is, Jesus called Herod a fox. And John the Baptist spoke out against um, Herod for taking his brother's wife Herodias. I'm like, they're prophets. And John was beheaded. So, like, you know, if you're ready for a prophet's fate, Good on you. But clear New Testament instruction, I don't think it's trumped by narrative text, but that's just me. Um, 
So, so we need to find ways to respectfully and peaceably and with as much um, peace as we can say no. Or in, in this case, petitioning. Like, I think maybe the abortion industry is more like the persistent widow crying out for justice. Please, please give justice to the unborn. Please, please will you give justice. Please will you defend them. Please. And I think we can do that in, in a way that's, that's uh, righteous and right. And I think there are ways we can do that that are self-righteous, ugly, and awful. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Carol. I was just thinking, uh, of course, in the first place, uh, when you're talking about calling people whitewashed walls and so forth, we're not Jesus. But I, I was reminded of this passage in Acts 23. Um, Paul is before the council. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, and... Uh, mm-hmm. He says, you know, brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said, God's going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting in judging uh, to judge me according to the law? And uh, yet, contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. Now, those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, oh, I didn't know, brothers, that he was a high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So there's a lot in that little passage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Paul, Paul didn't think he had the prerogative. Yeah, exactly. Right. Dawn, need a microphone. I, I regularly, like the two people who listen to this podcast regularly tell me to keep doing this. So I, just got, I got another text from one of them this week thanking just, me. Uh, a verse that. Uh, as much deeper than it comes off on, in, on surface, I think, is Romans twelve twenty one. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I want to bring up, okay, any other burning questions? Because I want to bring up a couple topics. Okay. So one of the things this passage is, so, so there's two ditches on either side of the road, and part of the difficulty of this text is avoiding both of them. One ditch is thinking that this is a passage only about those rich, fat cats out there, the one percenters, the heads of Google and Amazon, and you know maybe the guy in the Monopoly box cover. Um, certainly not me, corporate America, um, the CEOs of insurance companies. And it may be about them. I mean, I, they may well fit the bill. But um, So one ditch is just thinking it's that way. The other ditch is to make this say more than it says. You don't want to make this say less than it says or more than it says. So, for instance, um, this text says nothing about fair wages, living wages. Other passages in the Bible may or may not. The issue here is not you were miserly, you robbed. And I think that's critical um, because the crime here, we, we live in a day where people are so aware of the potential of the powerful and the wealthy to misuse their wealth and their power and to pervert justice and to steal and to rob, that now it's just sort of assumed, of course, that's happening. And so we, we need, when people want to talk about the, the income inequality, um, class inequality, whatever way you want to frame it, we need to see a charge of actual wrongdoing like there is here. They're not simply rebuked because they have stuff and other people don't have stuff. They're rebuked for robbery and false accusation and, and breaking their conscience. What we saw in, um, turn, turn, to, uh, turn to Matthew, um, where that? Where to, Matthew 20. And while we turn to Matthew 20, I want to have a poll. Show of hands. The question to be resolved before you. Is equal pay for equal work a righteous demand or not? If you think equal pay for equal work is a righteous and just request or demand, raise your hand. Equal pay for equal work. I think you just condemned the landowner. Oh, okay. If you don't think it's right, okay. You're just going to raise your hand no matter what. Okay. Okay. Very clever, Don. Very clever. You got me. Okay, Matthew, Matthew 20. And we went to Matthew 20 earlier because we got what the practice for these workers was. They'd meet up. They'd negotiate a price then and there with the landowner, and then they'd go work, and then they'd get paid. And this is, this is 
Some of Jesus' parables and teachings are cultural loves. Or cultural loves that turn the other cheek. Cultural loves going the extra mile. This one is not going to fare too well with our current culture. This is one of our Lord's teachings that is not going to go over well. Um, the kingdom of heaven, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired at the eleventh hour, so the people who worked one hour, when those hired at the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the denarius. And upon receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equals to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. He replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Uh, yeah, there is significant inequality here. Some people get crazy amounts of generous grace. They get a full day's pay for one hour of work. And other people get exactly what is just and right with no bonus. It'd be like if an employer gave a Christmas bonus to some employees but not others. The temptation to grumble would be similar. Uh, and I know in some places your, your bonuses are negotiated and actually not bonuses, they're owed, but where gifts are being given. Um, and, and the point here is strict, that it, if, if what you've agreed to, you get, you have no complaint, even if someone else is lavishly um, given something above and beyond. It's a stark, striking point. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Um, and so if this is not about a fair wage. This is not about, I mean, back to James, maybe passages in the Bible might speak to that. This is simply about you agreed upon something, you're obligated to pay it, now pay it, and people robbing. This is robbery. Um, this is oath-breaking. Um, now, trying to piece it all together is also possible tying things up in court, charging people with crimes and things to not pay them. Or it could even just be delaying paying them. I mean, you, you, if I can delay paying someone, you can earn interest on the money. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who managed some business. That their payroll was like $80 million a week. If you can delay paying someone a week or two, $80 million is going to make some amount of money in the bank over a couple weeks. You could do that with some regularity. You could make some extra cash, right? So there, there are... This, I'm not saying the Bible doesn't speak to, although I'm not terribly aware of where it would, uh, about the whole issue of like a fair wage. But that's not what's in view here. This is not condemning employers who are stingy with their wages. That's not what this is talking about. But I think I, I need to make that point because given our culture we could just uncritically think, of course, that's what it's condemning. It's not. This is specifically about oath-breaking and robbery. Um, questions or thoughts on that? Lee Carpenter. Oh. Well, see, when you ask, are you in favor of equal pay for equal work, that could be con considered a trick question because in of course in America we're not under a, a system that they were under where it was you were dealing with each worker individually and you of course you can pay them what you want it's I would agree that's still the way the only issue I would have is that 
when uh, there's laws, and in America, we, we like to claim that we're equal before the law. So that's really the only, no, no, no. And it gets only difference. If, no, no, no. Yeah. If our government has passed a law requiring an employer to pay people and they're not keeping the law, but the issue isn't the injustice of the unequal pay. The issue is the injustice of violating the law. Right, at that point. But So, no, I don't have any trouble. I, gotcha. It's like yeah. I give a kid, you know, they, they all get a dollar no matter what they did or whatever. But the the question, of course, in our society right. is a right. completely different argument. Uh, no, if I have a business argument. and if I have a, if I have a business and one of my kids turns out to be a bum and I want to make a sinecure for them and I pay them an, an inflated rate over other people, you could argue I'm a great fool and I would agree with you. Am I doing anything wrong to the people? You know, so here's, you know, I got a... I got a welding company, and my kid can't weld, but, you know, you can get the tanks and stuff. But he's making twice as much as the other people. You could argue that's foolish, it's unwise. I'm doing nothing wrong to the guys who I'm paying them, and I told them I pay them, right? Um, that's, that's what's tough for us to wrap our heads around. But it's basically the freedom of grace. And, and part of what I think is the confusions in some of the social justice movements, because our passage today is about social justice. It's about justice in society. I don't like the phrase social justice because it suggests there's different types of justice. There's justice, only justice, applied in different spheres. There's justice in the home. There's justice in the workplace. There's justice in the government. But there's just justice. But this is social justice in that sense. Um, and so we've got to be careful wrapping our heads around because one of my critiques of where I disagree with a fair amount of what's being put in the name of justice is confusion of grace and justice categories, right? So we, we've, we've talked about that, that the, the example here in Matthew 20 is exactly that. I'm, I'm giving being generous and generosity and grace isn't the justice category, right? Um, we talked about that, that we're told to be generous, but are we being unjust if we're not? I think before God, we're uh, going to be held accountable. But can any particular person to whom I was not generous charge me with wronging them? I'm not sure that that math works. I think there are things that I'm required to do, I must do. I'm under compulsion to do, right? Like, I've got to provide for my family, and I've got to love my wife, and I've got to be faithful to her. Like, this isn't like a... Grace things like you, you made a vow, you keep that vow, and you strive to keep that vow. There are other things that I'd put under sort of grace categories. And Paul does that with giving. He will not command giving. He, he will tell them, I'd say this for your advantage, but he, don't do it under compulsion. I don't want to guilt you into it. I want to tell you, you're going to reap so much more than you give. He does not want to make giving a law issue. He wants to encourage them under grace. And so a lot of what I see in the social justice movements tend to be confusing grace and justice categories. Um, or at least where I drop a flag and say, see, football reference, right? I think. Where I want to drop a flag and say, whoa, is usually on confusion of those issues. Um, well, like, whoa, some of these things are justice and some of these things are grace categories. Um, so anyway, questions? Oh, Renee. I wondered if you could just verbalize the second ditch. Okay, so the first ditch is thinking this has nothing... Um, okay, let's get back to... What, what did I mean when I said that? That's a good question. Um, well, the two ditches initially were, this is all about other people. This is just all about other people. This is about those one percenters. This is about those people up in their boardrooms, you know, with their curly mustaches. Going, <laughs> you know. The other ditch is to think this is about everybody, period, 100%. James is not addressing my brothers. He's talking to a subset, just as he was in the last paragraph, come now you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a town. Um, so we want to not burden the innocent of this, but we also don't want to let off the hook people who need to hear this. And that's the challenge, is you don't... That's, my opening prayer was like, okay, Lord, wound who needs to be wounded, heal who needs to be healed, because there's... Clearly where he goes to next in James is therefore be patient, my brothers. A large portion of the people he's writing to are not the ones doing this, they're the ones it's being done to. And he's, this is 
trust me, they're going to get theirs. Be patient. The judge is at the door. Hold fast, right? So for, the, for those, this announcement of judgment is, is an encouragement. For others, because I do believe, I think I showed, there are rich in the community. This is, you better get on your face and fast. And so I, as James is sort of using a scatter shot, he's not even writing to a particular church. I think it's fair enough to consider, hey, there could be both types of people in here who need to hear this. Those, those would be the two ditches. One would be um, totally offloading this to just every, to, to Wall Street and only that. And the other would be to, to put this on everybody. The other concern would be to read more into us than is actually being said. And so to take it carefully with what it's saying. Um, and the charges are pretty specific against the, the guilty parties here. They're hoarding. They're doing it by means of violating contracts, breaking their word, robbing. They're doing it to live self-indulgently. And the consequence is these innocent, righteous people are being condemned and they're dying. And that package deal is, I mean, because the command is really start howling. Weep with howling, with ululations. Um, that's the command. What's the, what's the application? Get, some people need to get howling. That's, that's the application, apparently. So when, whenever the scripture speaks that way, this is an announcement of judgment. Um, and it's strong. It's James' strongest. But the second closest one that's similar is in chapter 4, right? Um, let me get back to James here. James 4. Um, where it says, you adulterous people do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Um, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Now, that's the overlap. And here he's clearly calling people who he hopes will come back to the Lord to cry and to weep. So there's the sort of the overlapping idea. Now here, in four, he gives them the encouragement. Hey, you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Hey, you resist Satan, he's going to... None of that's in five. And the people in five are a couple degrees further into the flame. But even there, I'd say on the basis of um, just the character of God through Scripture, wherever announcements of judgments are given, there's an implicit call to repentance. The Ninevites figured that out. Um, The Ninevites figured that out. So, okay. That's a long-winded answer. I'm sorry. Did that did that cover your question? The two ditches? Or? Okay. See if I ramble long enough, it'll just we'll forget what someone asked. Okay. Any other questions on anything I've thrown up so far? I got more stuff. We got 15 minutes. Any other questions on any of that? So I was thinking of some ways we could possibly be guilty of. Um, ripping people off, disagreeing, robbing. I came up with a couple. I I didn't bring them into the sermon because none of them were totally clear enough. One of them Daniel even advised me against, so I'll start with that one. Okay. Um, So, so let me, let me, uh, let me say this. And I, you got to let me give my qualifiers here. Um, In industry and in, um, places or services where tipping is the established norm over time, like say a pizza delivery man. And you order a pizza, um, I, I think you need to tip. Or when you make the phone call, let the person know, I'd like a pizza delivered, I just want to be clear, I don't tip. Wherever that this is a clear and established, and I know that each day new places have tip jars, and would you like to tip for this thing you picked up at the counter? Like, when did we start doing that? I get that's all in flux, and that's weird. But where you've got the standard, everyone understands this, this is the way it's done, like where waitresses literally aren't paid hardly anything because of tips. Um, If your conviction is not the tip, I'd say they need to lead with that. I don't go by the social convention. I don't do what all men do. I do my own thing. Or you need to tip. That'd be my thinking. And so I, I, Daniel said, that's so, so convoluted, and you've got to have so many qualifiers in there, you should not use it. So I said, okay. But I think that's a place where you get the service, you do the work. They're, they're in good faith assuming if I serve you well and give you prompt and good service, you're going to give me a tip. And I'm like, nah. Yeah. Oh, I think just, just be generous. But I'm, I'm using, go to, no, I, I, I'll back this up. Go to, Romans, go to Romans 12. No, 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 I'll back it up. 
I'll back it up. And there is certainly some gray area, because different people have different convictions. Even in my own lifetime, it moved from like 10% being the baseline to now I'm pretty sure 20% is kind of baseline. 18? Okay, yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know. No, and that's why I want to be clear where there's some confusion. Fair enough. But Romans 12, Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends upon you. Live at peace with all people. That's not the passage I was looking for. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on. No, it's you do what's right in the sight of all men. Um, where is that? It's Romans 12. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Here it is. Uh, 17. Did I miss it? Give thought to do. Oh, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And what Paul's speaking of is there are social customs. Um, there are social customs. And hey, if you can, give consideration. Do 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 what's right in the sight of all men. If if all people do this, and you can do that, why not use your liberty to do that? You know, um, why why buck the system? Why why? It's back to the same principle of don't use your liberty to sort of flex your muscles. Use your liberty to serve. Um, and so if this is the custom, and you're well aware this is the custom, then I'd, my advice would be either let them know right up, I, I, am, I deviate from the custom. I don't do the custom. Um, or go along with it. But to let them find out as a surprise after they do the work seems to me bogus. That's all I'm saying. No, yes, anybody? No, okay, okay, no pushback, okay. Uh, another, another way I'd say to do that is um, where, we can, where we can do this is when we, uh, there's, there's a proverb, bad, where is it? Bad, bad says the buyer, but after he goes away and boasts. Let me find that one. Just gotta search bad and buyer, and then I'll have it. Bad, buyer. No, it's put butter in, okay. There it is. Proverbs 2014. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away, he boasts. And, and, no, and this is where it gets tricky, because there's nothing wrong with haggling. There's nothing wrong in, in negotiating a price and trying to negotiate a price that is better for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what this is talking about that is, is, is corrupt is when you speak untruth, you, you, that's not worth, that's, that's flimsy, that's made poorly, that's not worth, you know. And when you get it, you go and look at, look at the deal I got on this. Well, I actually do think it's valuable. So as you haggle and negotiate, we can bring in dishonesty and, and lie, right? And that's not good. That's not a righteous thing to do. Um, usually the few times I haggle, which isn't very often, I'll just say, I'm not willing to pay. I can't, I'm not going to go more than. It's, it's not a statement of value. I'm just telling you what I'm willing to do or not do. So, like, if you, if you can do this for this amount of money, cool. If not, I get it. That's fine. But, um, but the Proverbs are pointing out the, the deception and hypocrisy where you'll speak about the shoddy workmanship of something only to turn around and be like, look at this thing I got. It's well made. You know. And so if you're bringing in dishonesty, you're, you're guilty. It's tough. Unless you're actually a business owner with employees, you're not paying. I'm trying to think of ways we're doing this. But uh, anytime you default, intentionally delay paying bills, I think you're doing the same thing. I mean, because different people have different terms. So like mid-American, I got 30 days to pay them, and that's the arrangement we made. And they're not day laborers who are going to starve tonight. But I need to pay them within the allotted time they gave me, right? Um, I need to do that. So anytime I'm intentionally delaying my bills that I could be paying, I think I'm doing this. Can you guys think of any other examples of where, where we might be robbing workers? No? Oh, Ethan's got one. I know. The microphone is coming. What about um, if you're, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that you had poor service, but if you're just having a bad day and you get into a 
confrontation with, you know, you have a Karen moment, essentially. And then you go and you have a, you know, you go talk to the corporate office or you leave a bad Yelp review. That could be potentially robbing someone of sure. their job. I yeah, mean, yeah. if it gets if it gets bad enough. Oh, sure. No, no. If it, and it's one thing. I mean, it, I, if the service is truly bad and there are websites of people like, hey, can you tell us how the service is? I think there are righteous ways you can be like, uh, not so hot, right? I mean, I'm not saying leaving a bad review is fundamentally wrong. That's the whole purpose of these things. Um, but yeah, if you're being vindictive, if you're if you're just trying to, you you've been offended. Let me, let me, I thought of other ways that, that employers can do this, um, where wherever an employer is requiring people to do extra things they haven't. I mean, I. I my employer doesn't do this to me. This is great. But I talk to people who all of a sudden there's new, and they're going to need to come in for some extra time over here and that day off that they're supposed to have. Well, what's happening? If, if their employer granted them something, or like I've said in the sermon I see all the time, are people who explicitly when they get hired say, look, I don't want to work Sundays. And they're told, okay. And then there's this real emergency. And, they need, and all of a sudden they're regularly working Sundays. Um, like, yeah, you, you broke your deal. You, you're stealing the time of this person, you know? Um, I think there are all sorts of ways you can do that um, with, with things. Getting people to do jobs you weren't requiring them to do. Or getting people to do things that you're not legally allowed to let them do, you know? Um, which is where it gets weird. Back to your point. It's not the issue, like, is it unrighteous to ask somebody to carry 150 pounds? Well, if there's a law saying they can't, then yeah, right? Um, so there are a lot of ways that that can happen, but unless you're actually an employer, that's probably less of a direct concern. It's like that's why I was trying to think of applications and ways that might apply. But the other pieces I think can. So the danger can be we could be without knowing it, the type of people that if we had property and we had servants and employees, we could become that, which is where that third. So back to your two dishes, there's the, there's the people who are victims of this, be encouraged. There's the people who are doing this, repent. And then there's the people who kind of like, I'm kind of, I'm not there yet, but the same, we see other values of self-indulgence. We see other values of hoarding and gathering together things for yourself and worshiping stuff that you, you can do that without owning a field and robbing an employee. Yes. Or you're voluntold. Or what? Or you're voluntold. Voluntold? Yes, and you're not going to get paid for said activity. Yeah, voluntold. Sure. Yeah. No, and, and this is the way, I mean, Jesus said the, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Like, this is, this is the way it's done. Um, your boss can just be like, well, guess what? We have a mandatory meeting on Saturday, but I'm off Saturday. Yeah, no, you got a mandatory meeting on Saturday. And it's, it's kind of an implied, challenge me and we'll see what happens or come in. It's, it's unrighteous. It's wicked. Um, and, and I take great comfort in the fact that God cares about that. I mean, just the detail in Deuteronomy, the, the wage earner. I mean, God's, God's concerned about whether a foreigner living in your country who works day to day in the field, whether or not you pay him before sunset or not. He cares about that. And he says, his cry will go up to my ear. and hear, like, it's, That's really cool. That's, in my mind, really cool that, that God cares about the weak and the powerless. Because if there's anybody who can be taken advantage of, it's the foreigner living in a strange land who's living hand to mouth. Anything else? We've got five minutes. Any other thoughts or questions? In the back, Carolyn Moore. I wasn't going to say anything, but since you gave us a few minutes, okay. Um, okay. one of the things about this tipping is when, when you used to tip, it was because you had regular service and they went above and beyond that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now with Starbucks or these other coffee shops, you can't even taste the results of their service until after you've gone out of the store. And sometimes you feel like going back and taking your tip out of the box (laughs) because they didn't give you good service. And I agree with you, Jeremy, that if you don't feel the compulsion to give in that kind of way, then you shouldn't be forced to do it because people think you should. Right. And like I said, that's one of those weird scenarios where, like, when do we start tipping for things at the counter? No, and, and these things change and move. So I'd start with the most obvious place. You're going, to a, you're, going to, you're going to Denny's for breakfast. We know the waitress is making less than minimum wage because they're factoring in tipping, right? She's bringing food to you. She's serving you. This is a well-established uh, tradition and practice in our culture, and you're aware of it. It'd be different if some foreigner came in who didn't know anything. He'd be blameless. But we're not because we know better. Right. So I'm saying there. Um, and what it may even be the case in your scenario with Starbucks, like, I just want to let you know, I'm not tipping because last time I came in, the service was terrible and the coffee was weak. And now I'm not even saying you have to tip, but if the waitress gives you, I've only done this once or twice, but just look, we sat around, our cups were empty, we didn't see our food came out cold. That's not all your fault, but hey, just this, this was not a good experience. It's, it's hard to, I mean, I think you can do that without being a jerk. I'm not saying that being polite means you can't express your displeasure. How, how else are people going to improve? Um, it, is, it is not an easy thing to do well, but I think it can be done. And so I'm not saying you just got to pretend everyone's wonderful and pretend you got the best service in the world when you didn't. I'm not saying that at all. Dean, it's going to bring us home here. I didn't realize tipping was going to be the thing that we got onto, but okay. <laughs> For, yes. for those that don't like to tip, that's why they invented vending machines. There you go. <laughs> right, right. No, no, but and like I said, if you really, I mean, I've, I've met like one person who, tried, who said it was like a conviction thing. Okay, cool. Then, but just lead with that. Sit down like, hey, I just want to let you know, I don't tip. You know, it, it, then, then if they want to serve, like at that point, it gets back to like the, the landowner, like, if you bring me my food anyway, and I told you that up front, what wrong have I done you? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But, yeah. Most, I'm assuming most people don't quite have the guts to lead with that. So that's more why I bring that up. But, like, if you led with that, I'm not going to condemn you. Like, that's all I'm saying. is like, if you're, like, really honest, I know you're expecting this. I know this is the assumed relationship. I need to clarify that's not the relationship, and that's not what's going to happen. Okay. Yes, Carol. I'm just going to close with, now you see why Daniel suggested you now bring this up. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And on that note, we will call it a day. God bless. Thank you all.